right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Daily Power Parsha. Today is Thursday, March 31st. Wow, look at that. March 31st, 2022. Uh, time is moving forward. All right, so toward the end of yesterday's class, um, someone mentioned an insight from the book Daily Wisdom that said something about the significance of the white, the white blotch of the, of the skin and that being a sign of purity, which paradoxically is Tzarat. So what's going on? So I wanted to clarify. I actually looked at the, at the, at the source. And um, I have some clarification. Basically, white is a sign of purity. Now, we know this, I think, like, um, colloquially, we think of white as pure and other colors as not so pure. You know, for whatever reason, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, were meant. To, there's a tradition to wear white clothing, which is a sign of purity and you know, being cleansed of our sins and a new start, that kind of white symbolism. So white typically is associated with holiness. And yet, one of the signs of tzarat on the skin is that the area turns white. And the hairs turn white or turn a lighter color. So what's, why, why is white, which is usually a sign of purity, in this case a sign of impurity? So the insight goes like this. That what is, the, what is the hallmark of a human being? The hallmark of a human being is the ability to speak. Human beings are called in Judaism the medaber, the communicator. Which means although we have many talents and many gifts and many abilities, it's the gift of speech that really is at the core of what it means to be human. And why is that so? Because speech can do what nothing else can do. Speech can communicate how we feel and what we know, our ideas and our feelings. Speech can allow us to empathize and connect with others and bridge the gap, collapse the gap between two people and bring them together as one. So communication is about a joining of two into one. That's what communication is. What happens when we speak Lashon Hara? when we speak ill of another person. It means we're speaking and we're communicating, but we don't have the discipline, we don't have the speech in check. In other words, speech is a powerful tool, but like any tool that's powerful, it can also get out of hand. A knife, it's a powerful tool. And a knife can do many things, like cut birthday cake, perform surgery, etc. But a knife wielded, without borders, without boundaries, without discipline, could be a very dangerous thing. Somebody waving a knife, you know, um, recklessly, you know, waving a knife is a very dangerous thing. The same thing is true with speech. Speech is the greatest gift we have, arguably the greatest gift we have. But that's when it's disciplined. That's when we speak about what we're supposed to be speaking about and when we don't speak about what we're not supposed to be speaking about. What happens when we, like the reckless knife, what happens when our words just come out in conversation? Oh, you know what happened with so-and-so, right? Free-flowing. That's not good. And that's symbolized by tzara'ah, which is a white spot where it shouldn't be, right? It's that white because it is, the, the message here is that it's not that Lashon Hara is just through and through evil, although it is bad, it's worse than that. It's not just abject evil. It's taking something holy, the power of speech, and misappropriating it, using it for a negative purpose. That's really what Lashnar is. It's taking something holy, the ability to communicate, and warping it, misappropriating it, using it for a negative purpose, for a destructive purpose. So it's not just an evil entity, it's a good entity being schlepped in a negative place. And that's why the sign of tzarat, which is the sign of impurity, is white. What does it mean? You use something pure for impure purposes. That's what Lashnar is. You use something pure, speech, which is beautiful and was meant for healing and, 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 and helping others and sharing, and connecting, and empathizing, and sympathizing, and lifting, and building up the other. And what do you use it for? 
shaming and hurting and embarrassing and, and harming the other person. You took something white, something pure, and you misappropriated it. So what's the sign? White blotch on the skin. It's a mark on the skin, a negative mark, but it's white. Because at its core, it could have been good. The core of Tzarat is, is speech that went rogue. And so to indicate that we have a white blotch on the skin, to indicate that at the core, the speech could have been used for a higher purpose. And it still could, if only we retrain our speech patterns, if we retrain the way we communicate, if we focus and put up walls and boundaries and delineate what should be spoken and what should not. About that, along that, so that's the insight, and I think it's very powerful. Along those lines, the Talmud says that a rabbi once asked a student, what's the most powerful part of the body? What's the powerful, I don't know if it was muscle or whatever, what's the strongest part of the body? And the different students came up with different answers, and he said, no, you're all wrong. I don't know if he said that exactly, but I'm paraphrasing. No, I'll tell you what, what the most powerful part of the body is the tongue. The tongue has the power to heal, to give life, and has the power to harm and take life. That is the tongue. And further, further on the Talmud says that the tongue was put because of the danger of the tongue. I mean, it's incredibly powerful in a good way, but it's also incredibly dangerous. Because of the danger of the tongue, it was put behind two boundaries, two walls. The tongue, we've said this before, the tongue is behind teeth and behind lips. Before we speak, we should really ask ourselves the question, should I really be lifting up the gate, the drawbridge, if you will, of the lips and the teeth? Or maybe I should just remain closed and keep this idea to myself. That's something to think about every time we speak. Okay. Questions or comments? Yes, I read the Daily Wisdom after class, and it was along the lines of excess spirituality. I, I forget what the it could be it could be and and i think um maybe that's writing you know that's 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 expressing this idea in a bit of an abstract way in other words what does it mean excess spirituality did it talk about the white and it talked about the holiness and was it that one or was it a different one no the excess spirituality was more along the lines of aaron's sons Oh, it said you're not humble. You become too like it's the ego. Which no day? Which humble. day was it? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Um, was it reading four or five? The one I was talking about was reading number four, but maybe you're talking about reading five. Maybe because I just read. I didn't know which one. I don't know. Let me say. I don't know which reading. I just read today. There's no, pride. So there's pride and arrogance. Is it's today humility? That's. Yep. Um, no. No, yeah. not this one. Okay, no. one second. Let's take a look at yesterday's getting carried away. Um, an overabundance of holy spiritual energy. Was yeah. that? Okay, yeah, so that's what I thought. So, but, but again, what does it mean? What, so that's what she was asking yesterday. That's what Joy was asking. So what does it mean that it's an overabundance of spiritual energy? What does that even mean? So... One way to understand this, again, I was trying to explain this practically, is an overabundance of spiritual energy means that you're overusing your speech. Yeah? Not you, I'm saying, but the person is overusing their speech. They have a holy energy. They have this capacity to speak, which is the holiest gift. And what are they doing? They're indulging in speech. They're going past the boundary. It's like, if good is good, so more good would be more good. Nope, that's not true. Conversation is healthy when it has boundaries. So that's the way, that, that was my understanding. It was Tuesday. 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 Spiritual blockage. Got it. All right. Now we're really getting, yeah. going, turn back, TBT, turn back time Tuesday. So Tuesday, um, yeah. Okay, that's another idea. 
Yeah, that's yeah. about ego, and which, by the way, is a beautiful insight, especially around Passover time, right? The idea of, of not having an ego, of not being, you know, too self, um, uh, not being self-indulgent, and that sort of thing. Yeah, Sarat occurs when our feelings of spiritual inspiration fail to humble us. And by the way, it's manifesting the same thing. In other words, all, all of the insights are connected. They're all really connected. It's the same thing. Why is it that we end up misappropriating our holy capacity for speech and speaking ill of someone else? Because of our ego. Because we weren't humble. In other words, why is it that a person is going to you know, just carry around the knife and, and, and recklessly? Because they don't respect they don't respect its power. If you respect the power of the knife, you'll make sure that you sheath it properly, you make sure that you take care of it properly, that you're disciplined. It's when it's, the recklessness comes because of a lack of respect of its, of, its, of its power. The same thing is true with the human being. It's the lack of humility, the lack of respect for a higher power, a higher authority, for boundaries that leads a person to just you know, talk about and, and destroy somebody else verbally. Okay, by the way, one more, one more story along these lines that I think ties all the pieces together. Um, the story is told that the Baal Shem Tov was once traveling with his students. They did a lot, of, a lot of traveling. They traveled and they ended up in a town. They went to the synagogue to pray the morning service. After davening or before davening or middle of davening, I don't know, at some point in the prayers or at the prayer you know, experience, two guys started shouting at each other. There was a fight that broke out. Uh, not a physical fight, but like a verbal, you know, uh, sparring. And one guy says to the other, I, 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 I want to rip you. I w- I'll rip you apart like a fish. That's what he said. Bashamta told the students, let's hold hands. And they used to do this often. They used to stand kind of in a circle. And everyone held hands. And it kind of formed a, a complete circuit. So they all held hands. And the Bashamta grabbed the, one, the hands of the students next to him, completing the circuit. And suddenly everybody started, started uh, um, freaking out with fear. Why? Because they had closed their eyes and when they held hands, they saw a vision of that guy, the, the, the one who threatened the other guy with the violence, actually ripping, physically ripping the other person apart to shreds. And the Bashemtiv, and they all like dropped their hands because it was, it was too intense to, to, to see that Im- image was, was horrific. And the Bashemtiv said, you should know everything that you say creates a reality. In our physical realm, we don't see, we don't usually see with our eyes the reality that's, that, that's created through speech. But there is a realm, there is a realm where everything that we say actually creates a reality. And therefore, we have to be really careful what we say. So let's create positive realities with our speech and never, never negative realities. Okay, and again, and, and, and not doing so, not being careful about this, would be not respecting the power of speech and not honoring it in the correct fashion. Okay. I really, I really like this part of the Torah, but I, I, I'm surprised, though, that there's, I don't know, it's just the mitzvah to do good. There, I don't feel like there's anything really concrete today. Yeah, well, today it's the, it, it, it would be, the idea of speaking nicely. I mean, right? I, like, what? There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing ritualistic, right? There's you know, yeah. we don't really have a ritual about it, but it's or, more. Yes. It's just. But is there a specific? A specific business? Well, treat your fellow Jews like yourself, or yeah, treat your fellows yourself, and be kind and compassionate, and yeah. you know that but sort of thing. It's very specific about gossip. Yeah, it's very specific in the negative. Like, if a person right. did violate it and they got this, all right, now, now there's trouble. Now trouble. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's just about the, the, the way we live our lives, which is really what Torah is about. It's a guide for, for, for daily living. Right, um, not necessarily everything has to be a specific mitzvah. Yeah, it's not a ritual. It's not necessarily like a thing, but it's more of like how we live our lives, especially today. Okay, let's jump in because we have... Um, we have, I believe, only one more reading. And, and I'm going to explain what's going on here. Tazriah, let's get out of Daily Wisdom. Let's get to the Parsha. Okay, here we go. So yesterday, we, we finished all the way through reading number five, which means that today we're up to reading six. But here's what I failed to mention last night in our class that's very important. This week, 
we actually pull out three Torah scrolls. Let me explain. The first Torah scroll, we read the, whoa, not parent. We read the section of Tazria, the Torah portion from Leviticus, right? From Leviticus chapter, whatever, 11, 12, 13, whatever the chapters that we covered this week. So that's scroll number one. Scroll number two, tomorrow, sorry, not tomorrow. Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh. So then in reading number seven, usually it's seven readings of the parasha. No, we knock out the parasha in six readings this week. You with me? We take reading six and seven and combine it for the sixth reading this week. The person that gets called up to the Torah for number six, you finish the Torah portion. Because in the seventh reading, you don't read from the Torah portion, you read from the book of Numbers, chapter 28. You see how that changed? Reading six is from Leviticus. It's pop-up ads. Leviticus chapter 13 is uh, reading six. Reading seven, now we jump to Numbers chapter 28. Why? Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh. Talks about the the Sabbath offering, the Shabbat uh, weekly offering, and it talks about the beginning of your month's offering, Rosh Chodesh. In the Hebrew, over Rosh And on your Rosh Chodesh's, if you will, this is what you should bring. So we read the Rosh Chodesh offering on Rosh Chodesh. We read Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh on Shabbat Rosh Chodesh. That's reading seven. And then the Maftir is HaChodesh from Exodus chapter 12. You saw what happened there? There's Leviticus, Numbers, and Exodus. Three different books of the Torah are read on Shabbat. So we have three Torahs. My point is that for DPP today, we're going to read reading six, which you should know, fit, takes us to the end of the parasha, takes us to the end of the Torah portion. All right, so let's do it. What uh, we do tomorrow? Tomorrow we're going to read... The, uh, tomorrow we're going to read either the seventh reading or that, that like the, the Rosh Chodesh reading or the Maftir HaChodesh reading and do the half Torah. So that's the game plan. All right, so here we go. Let's, let's jump in. Let, there's always more to learn. That's, that's for sure. Um, okay, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 40. Now we talk about additional uh, um, potential tzarat, skin issues and whatever we talked about. Skin um, blotches, blotches, streaks, whatever we talked about, ones that appear on the hair, uh, on the hair or on the beard area. And now we're going to talk about other instances. If a man loses the hair on the back of his head, he is bald. He is clean. That's not saras. That's just male pattern balding. That's it's like that's not sarat. That's just. Aging. He's clean. It's a negative, negative result. It's no tzarat. And if he loses his hair on the side toward his face, he's bald at the front. He is clean. So bald spot in the back, bald spot in the front, not tzarat. Now, if there is a reddish, so losing the hair itself is not a sign of tzarat. But if there's a reddish white lesion on the back or front bald area, if, so, if discoloration appears in the balding area, then we got problems. Then it is a spreading tzarat in his back or front bald area. So just the hair loss itself, don't be concerned. I mean, you can be concerned, but not tzarat concerned. But if the skin in that balding area turns reddish white, then we have a problem. So the Kohen shall look at it, as in any case of suspected Surat, the Kohen has to do a bit of an examination. And behold, in this case, there's a reddish-white Sa'id lesion. Yeah, it's a skin lesion on the back or front bald area. Like the appearance of Surat on the skin of his flesh. In other words, just like it might appear on the arm, now it's appearing on the front or in the back of the head in the balding area. So what's the diagnosis? What's the result? What's the... Um, Conclusion, he is a man afflicted with sarat. He is unclean, impure. The Kohen shall surely pronounce him unclean. His lesion is on his head. Okay, pretty clear. So hair loss, you're fine. Hair loss coupled with 
a reddish-white lesion? Very possibly tzerat. Let's, ch- let's take a look. Let's stop here for a moment. Let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, um, this case is not judged by the signs of the head and beard, which are places of hair. In other words, Tzarat is not marked by hair loss. Rather, it is judged by signs of a lesion on the skin of his flesh. Namely, white hair, healthy hair, sorry, white hair, healthy flesh, spread, etc. In other words, there are signs of Tzarat and it's not hair loss. It's the hair turned a different color. It's that there's a healthy flesh in a, in, in, in a um, lesion area of flesh or, the, or the, the lesion spreads. Those are signs of Tzarat, not hair loss. Um, okay. A reddish-white lesion blended of red and white. Now Rashi says, how do we know that the lesion is also unclean? In other words, it's also Tzarat if it has other colors. The Torah just said reddish-white. What if it's other colors? So Torah says, like the appearance of Tzarat on the skin of the flesh. Which means, appearing like the tzarat dealt with in the passage of leaves of the skin of the flesh, which begins, if a man has seitz, a pachet, or beheret, skin of his flesh. And those are different colors. Creamy, white blotch, red, etc. Different colors. Um, and what is stated regarding a lesion on a skin? The one becomes unclean through it if it appears as one of four shades. Four options. Namely, number one, the snow white of beheret. Number two, the white as the lime of the holy temple of the secondary forms a pachet of beheret. The white as white wool of se'et. And the white as a membrane that, membrane that covers an egg of the secondary sepachet form of se'et. Wow. Four shades of white. It feels like we're painting our house, right? Oh my gosh, you ever paint something and you get those little samples from Sherman, uh, Sherwin-Williams? Not Sherman Williams, it's somebody else. Sherwin Williams or whatever your favorite paint store is. Yeah, and now suddenly you're deciding between, you know, different shades of off-white. There's like eggshell and this and that. I'm I'm only giving eggshell as a specific example, but like there's a thousand different shades of white. So here we have also four different shades. There's snow white. There's white as lime. Okay, whatever that means. There's white as white wool. And white as the membrane that covers the egg. Egg white. All right. Um, but in all cases, if that's, if, if, but, but either, I, any of these four whites, if that's what the, the, the skin um, lesion looks like, it's also tzarat. In other words, it's not just reddish white that we stated in this, in this verse, but it's reddish white or any of the other Tzarat options as was stated in previous verses, etc. Okay, now let's toggle Rashi off. I think we covered all the Rashis. No, we didn't. I'm sorry. Um, the Kohen pronounces him as with Tzarat. He's unclean. The le- his lesion is on his head. Rashi. I know only that these laws apply to those stricken with netek lesions surrounded the head. Where do I know that this includes other afflicted people as well? Torah says, Yitam Enu, he shall surely pronounce them unclean. Oh, sorry, Tami Yitam Enu. Clean, unclean, he shall be pronounced. Double expression includes them all. Okay? Fine. In other words, all cases, um, in all cases of Tzarat, the following protocol is done. What protocol? Here we go. Verse 45. And the person with Tzarat, in any of the aforementioned, we've, we've had a few days of Tzarat conversation. We talked about it uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and now Thursday. This is our fourth day on Tzarat. No matter what case, whether it's skin, whether it's hair, whether it's the balding areas, doesn't make a difference. If the person is diagnosed positively as having Tzarat, here we go. The person with Tzarat in whom there is a lesion what should you do? His garment shall be torn. His head shall be unshorn. He shall cover himself down to his mustache and call out, Tame, Tame, unclean, unclean. Let me explain. It's almost like a sign of mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning. 
right? He tears his garments, right? We do that, God forbid, when there's a loss. His head shall be unshorn, don't cut the hair. Again, we do that when mourning. He shall cover himself down to his mustache. Some, something about bringing a cloak. I remember there's a Rashi there. We'll look at it inside soon. Something about a cloak and whatever it is. But either way, the point is these are all signs of mourning. In other words, it's a very sad moment when the person is diagnosed with Tzarat. It's very traumatic. It's very, um, it's, it's very mournful. It's very sorrow, sorrowful. And the person um, is called... Uh, it's, and called out. Who calls out? I'm not sure. Someone calls out, unclean, unclean, tame, tame. All the days his lesion is upon him, he shall remain unclean. He is unclean. As long as, as, long as the discoloration is there in the skin, or the hair, or whatever, he's unclean. He shall dwell isolated. This is not the quarantine that we spoke of earlier. This is full isolation outside all three of the camps. His dwelling, oh yeah, here we go. His dwelling shall be outside the camp, outside all three camps. And as for the garment, oh, I'm sorry. Now we're going to get into uh, uh, Tzarat on, on garments. That's a new conversation, which we'll get into soon. Um, but first, let's understand that here the Torah is giving us insight into all cases of skin, hair, bald spot, Tzarat. In all cases, he's pronounced unclean. Um, he <coughs> tears his garments. Head is, his hair is not cut. And he has to isolate outside the camp. Now let's take a look at some Rashi's over here. Okay, here we go. Rashi says, Torn, unshorn, yeah, his hair grows long. He shall cover himself down to his mustache like a mourner. I guess that means maybe like a hood. Like almost like a covering over the head that covers down to his mustache. Almost like, you know, just in hiding and shame. Um... He announces that he is unclean so that everyone should stay away from him. It's who announces he shall call out about himself, unclean, unclean. He says about himself, I am impure, I am impure, stay away. He shall remain isolated. What does that mean? He shall dwell isolated, meaning other unclean people, not stricken with Sirach, shall not abide with him. He doesn't hang out with other people that are impure if they're not other Tzarat, um, uh folks. Our sages say, Why? Is he different from other unclean people that he must remain isolated? Why must he remain isolated? And here's the answer. Since with his slander, he caused a separation rift between man and wife or between man and his fellow, he too shall be separated from society. This guy caused rifts. This guy caused dissent, friction, chaos, mayhem in relationships. Caused a rift between people. So what happens to him? He's separated from people. A rift also. Separated from society. Um, outside the camp means, as I said, outside all three camps. Namely, the Mishkan, the Levite camp, and the camp of the Israelites. He has to go outside all three living areas or dwelling areas and be isolated outside the camp. Okay. Uh, questions or comments on the thus far before we get into... Garment Tzarat. 47 yeah. begins a new category. Yes. Ari, I've got a question because um, in the Rashi, it says he shall stand out isolation about verse 46. Yeah. But it says since he caused a party through malicious talk. That's done in the Torah. So where does that come from? Where does that insight come from? It's, it says uh, this is from Rashi. It says, since he caused a party through malicious talk between a man and his wife. Yeah. And between a man and his colleague, he too shall be set apart. That's from Arachin 16b. It's a Talmudic tractate. The Talmud says. Well, this is Rashi. This is Rashi. Yeah, yeah Rashi quotes from the Talmud. Oh, okay. Yeah. Rashi didn't make up his own, his own ideas. He pulled it from, from sources. I mean, typically. Sometimes he has, you know, some stuff that's novel, but... Typically, he's giving you, he's giving you, he's distilling classic, classic wisdom. The Torah doesn't say that. The Torah just says what, what should happen. He should dwell isolated. Right. Rashi, based on the Talmud, Rashi explains why. Why, why, is he, why is he in timeout? Why is he in isolation? Because he caused friction between people. So now, now there's friction comes back on him. You know what they say? Karma. It's karma, baby. Right? Yeah. 
He caused the rift. Now he's got to feel the rift. By the way, I'll explain the, the deeper, the mystical idea of this. I mean, and it's all, it all ties into what we're saying. This guy was speaking ill of others. And so what do you do? You put him outside the tent, outside the camp, all three camps. Now what? Now he can't speak to anybody. You with me? The reason why he got into trouble is because he was, you know, speaking too much to people. He was doing too much gossip. Gossip, gossip, gossip. So what do we do? We, we, set, we isolate him. In isolation, how, who can he speak to? Cactus trees, right? Who's he speaking to? No one. Nothing. Garnished. No one's around. This is before cell phones, before WhatsApp, before uh, Facebook Messenger. Can't speak to anybody. So he's isolated. So he trains himself to remain still and remain quiet and not feel the need to, um, to constantly speak. Okay, let's now jump back in to, um, to verse 47. Okay, verse 47 begins a bit of a new twist on Sarat. Tarat that appears not on the person, but on the clothing. And as for a garment that has the lesion of Tarat upon it, whether it's a woolen garment or a linen garment or on the threads prepared for the warp or the woof of linen or of wool or on leather or anything made from leather. In other words, even if it's not a finished article of clothing, but the raw material spools of wool or linen or warps or woofs of linen or wool, etc., right, no, 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 I'm sorry. That's, I said the same thing. Right? Spools of linen or wool or, or leather that's ready to be sewn into some sort of leather garment. So in any of these cases, if the lesion on the garment, the leather, the warp or woof, threads or on any leather article. So if this lesion is deep green or deep red, it is a lesion of Tzarat and it shall be shown to the Kohen. That's a red flag. If there's a deep green or deep red discoloration on your Louis Vuitton bag, yeah, on your um, Burberry scarf, suddenly it's like, whoa, what's going on? I have a wool scarf. I have a linen, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever, jacket. I've got uh, leather, I don't know, whatever it is. And now it's discolored. Bring it to the Kohen. The Kohen shall take a look at the lesion and he shall quarantine the article with the lesion for seven days. All right, this article of clothing or this fabric or this piece of leather is now quarantined. No going anywhere. Don't you move, Mr. Wolf of, or Warp of linen or wool. And what happens? He shall take a look at the lesion on the seventh day if the lesion has spread on the garment or on the warp or woof threads or on the leather or on any article made from leather, if it spreads, the lesion is a malignant serrat, it is unclean. So he notices the discoloration, the owner of the item or whatever, notices the discoloration. Uh-oh, it's red, it's green, whatever. Happy holidays from your friends at Sarat. And what happens is he brings it to the Kohen the coin examines it, says, oh, we got a problem here potentially, quarantines it. If it spreads, out, sarat. What should you do? What do you do? What's the process? He shall burn the garment, the warp or the woof, or woof threads of wool or of linen or any article which has the lesion upon it, shall burn it. For it is a malignant sarat that shall be burned in fire. You got to destroy it. There's no other way. By the way, when people get surrounded on their skin, there are other protocols. But if it's on clothing, on, 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 on uh, fabric, or on leather, that's it. Forget about it. Forget about it. The whole thing is destroyed in fire. But if the coin looks and behold, the lesion has not spread in the garment, this is after seven days, there's been no spread, or it hasn't spread on the warp or woof threads or on any leather article, then the coin shall order and they shall wash, listen to this, they shall wash what the lesion is upon and he shall quarantine it again for seven days. So again, somebody has, this is a gift bag that my daughter got at school from a kid's birthday party. Okay, but imagine this is a, 
an article of clothing or a piece of garment. Imagine this is leather. And suddenly now, uh-oh, there's red. I know it's pink. There's green. I know it's uh, greenish, turquoise-ish, teal-ish, whatever. Yeah, so imagine now you find all the spots or a spot on the garment. Take it to the Cohen. Cohen says, yeah, that's, uh, you, got, you got a problem potentially. Quarantines it. If everything spreads, you got to destroy it. If it doesn't spread after seven days, then verse 34, 54, the Kohen shall order, they shall wash with the lesions upon it, they shall quarantine again for seven days. So you wash it to take out the potential stain or the potential tzarat. You wash it, put a little tide in there, right? You get it going, get it in the agitator, you old school machine or your you know, fancy modern front loader, whatever it is. Yeah, you get that puppy cleaned, and then you quarantine it again for seven days. This is now 14 days later. Then the Kohen shall... Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was thinking also. So that's why you're washing it to check. So then, or, and, or other things. So the Kohen shall then look at it after the lesion has been washed. Seven days later. So now it's 14 days since the, the article was first shown to the Kohen. The Kohen initially looked at it. It's like, I don't know. Got to come back in seven days. Let's take a look again. Saw, a, saw that it's spreading. Washes it. Waits another seven days. And now, let's take a look. Behold, if the lesion has not changed in appearance and the lesion has not spread, it is unclean. Aha. It hasn't changed. It's still as strong as it was. You washed it. You washed it. You put in the tide with the oxy. You had the agitator going. You pre-treated it. And still it hasn't changed in appearance. In other words, it's still as strong, red, green, whatever, as before. Even if the lesion hasn't spread, it's still unclean. It's still tameh. It's still impure. It's still tzarat. You shall, and what you do, once again, you shall burn it in fire. It is a penetrating lesion on the worn or new article. It's so penetrating. I like that word. It's so penetrating that even when you wash it, it didn't come out. That's the vart. It, you saw something. You bring it to the Kohen. Come back in seven days. You come back. It's still there. Code says, wash it and then come back in seven days. And it's still as strong as ever, as pronounced as ever. The Kohen says, this is not mold. This is tzarat. This is impure. We got to get rid of this bad, bad boy. And so we burn it. That is the solution. Burn it in fire. However, verse 56, we'll get back to Rashi soon, verse 56. But if the Kohen looks at it after it's been washed, and behold, the lesion has become dimmer, if it's getting less and less, then you're okay. He shall tear it out of the garment. I mean, sort of okay. You tear out the part of the garment that had this discoloration out of the garment, out of the leather, or out of the warp or woof threads, and you cut that piece out. So imagine you take this, you quarantine it, you take it again, you wash it, you wait another seven days. If it's dimmed, then you cut out the areas of tzarat and leave the rest. However, 57, the plot twists again, and if it appears again in the garment. In other words, if after it got dim, and then you cut out the discoloration area, it then reemerges somewhere else on the item. It appears again. You can't get rid of it. It's like a horror movie with a sequel, right? We thought we got rid of you. We thought we cut it out. It's coming back. Freddy the 23rd. What's going on over here? It's coming back. Yes, it came back. So then whether it appears again on the garment or on the warp threads of any leather art or any leather article, if it comes back after you cut it out, it is a recurrent growth of the lesion. And then, no more Mr. Nice Guy, you got to get rid of it. You shall burn it in fire. You shall burn it in fire, the article upon which the lesion is found. You got to destroy the whole thing. However, but the garment, the warp, or woof threads, or any leather article which is washed and the lesion disappears from them, yeah, if it's gone, that they shall be immersed a second time and it shall be cleaned. Sorry, it shall be clean. Then it's pure. This is the law of a lesion of tzarat on a woolen or linen garment, warp or woof threads, or any leather article 
to render it clean or unclean, and that is the summary of these last few verses. Okay, I'm going to toggle Rashi on, but let's, uh, let's, in the meantime, while I scroll down, any questions or comments thus far? Wash and wash, but can't get those pesky stains out. Yeah, you might just have to burn that thing. That, that'll, get the, that, that'll get it going. Um, all right, let's do this. So Rashi clarifies that leather refers to leather upon which work has been performed. It's not raw leather. It's leather that's been worked, that's been you know, shaped, shaped and fashioned into something usable for garments. Um, deep green, Rashi says, Yerakrik, the greenest of greens. So it's not just, you know, light green mold growing on your old leather jacket because it was moist or something, which sounds totally gross. But this is like really deep green. And red, Adamdam, is the reddest of reds. Not just Adam red, but the reddest of reds. That's why the Hebrew phrase is a re repeat, Yerak, Rak. Right? Yerak is green. Yerak, Rak means green, green. What type of green? Green, green. What shade? Green, green. Like really green, green. And what about the red? Adamd, adamdam. Adamdam means red of red. red, red reddish red means really red, reddest of reds. Let's continue. So if he looks at it um, and it's spread, then it's malignant. Um, the Midrashic expression is place a curse upon it, the item of with Sarat, that you should not derive benefit from it. In other words, stay away from selling it or, or deriving benefit. Just get rid of it, burn it. You should burn it. Whether it's made of any of these items, it should be burned. Okay. Okay. That's a technical rash. Let's keep on going. So the Torah says that if it has not spread, then you need to wash it and wait another seven days. Shall wash with the lesions upon. Rashi says, one might think that one need wash the area of the lesion alone. Why wash the whole garment? Spot clean it. If you're trying to get rid of the lesion, just spot clean it. Scripture therefore says what the lesion is upon, meaning the garment upon which the lesion is found. In other words, the whole garment that gets washed, even though the, the discoloration is only in one area. But if so, one might think that the entire garment requires washing. Therefore, Scripture says, after the lesion has been washed, teaching us that only the lesion must be washed, not the entire garment. So how do we reconcile the apparent discrepancy? Oh, okay, so no, here's an important clarification. Um, I, I misspoke before. He must wash part of the garment with it, not the whole garment. So he doesn't wash just the area that was afflicted with this lesion. He doesn't wash the entire thing. He washes the area of the lesion with a little bit of the other garment. Again, nowadays we throw into a washing machine. Back then it would be different. They would hand wash everything. So back in the day they were hand washing. How much? The area with the lesion a little bit more. Today we would probably throw the whole thing in a washing machine even though today we don't get Surat on garments. Let's continue. Um, if the lesion has not changed in appearance, i.e. it has not become dimmer in color, Then, and the lesion is not spread, then it is fine. I'm going to skip that Rashi. Give me a second. Just looking through Rashi's here. Rabbi Ari, I do have a question. Yeah. Has anyone talked about garment can also refer to the garments of the soul? That's a great question. I believe so. I believe so. Because at the end of the day, speech is one of those, those three garments of the soul. So where would speech first blemish? Probably speech itself. In other words, the speech itself, the garment of the soul of speech, is blemished. But we can also act in a way that dishonors the other, like Lashon Hara. And that would damage the faculty of uh, the, the garment of action. And what about the garment of thought? If we think negative thoughts about the other. So I think, I think you're making a very good point, and I think there would be a natural, you know, parallel to that. Three garments of the soul. Um, okay, I'm just quickly looking through Rashi's here. Oh, Rashi says, 
just like in the case of lesions on man, in other words, on the skin, if it's spread over the entire body, he is clean, paradoxically, as we said a few days ago. So to here, in the case of lesion on garments, if it's spread over the entire garment, it is clean. So it's only when there's a little discoloration in a, in a spot, that's when it might be a problem. If the whole thing turns green or red, it's not impure. Let's continue. He shall tear it. Rashi says he shall tear the afflicted area from the garment and burn that area of the garment. So he cuts it out or tears it out, and that, and that piece that has the tzarat on it is burned. Even if it, uh, this is after it became dimmer, he still cuts it out. And if it appears again, then it's peirachas, something that grows recurrently, burn the entire garment in the fire. But if the lesion disappears, in other words, if after they first washed the article by order of the Kohen, the lesion disappeared completely from it, not that it became dim. There are three laws. One law is if it gets bigger. You quarantine it for seven days, then it becomes bigger on the, on the garment. Then you got to burn it. If it stays the same, it didn't, become, it didn't become bigger, it stays the same, then you wash it. If after you wash it, it's dimmer than before, but it's still there, then you have to cut out that area and burn it. If the whole thing disappeared after you washed it that, that first time and after you uh, quarantined it for seven days, if it com disappeared completely, then it's no sorry, you don't have to cut out anything and you're done, you're finished. But it shall be immersed a second time and it shall be clean. What does that mean? The word here immersed, uh, sorry, the uh, chubas is immersed, not washed, means immersion in a mikvah. So the first time you actually washed it to get out the discoloration, now you put it into a mikvah, and that is to cleanse. Spiritual cleansing, not physical cleansing. It's not physical cleansing, but rather immersion in a mikvah. That's spiritual cleansing. All right, and as the Torah says, these are the laws of Tzarat. Okay, so that takes us to the end of today. Today we had some interesting ideas that I'm going to summarize. But first, a note about tomorrow. Tomorrow we're on. Please God, at 12 noon on Friday, same bad time, same bad channel. We have a lot to talk about. There's the seventh reading, which is the section of Rosh Chodesh. Uh, there's the Maftir, which talks about HaChodesh, the, the Rosh, the Mitzvah Rosh Chodesh that we spoke about last night at the Torah class. And then there's the Haftorah, which will have its own conversation. We'll see how much we can get to tomorrow with all these three unique readings. All right. So in summation, spoke today about the power of speech. Spoke today about how speech is the, one of the greatest tools that we have. It's the crowning name of a human being. We are called the Medaber, the communicator, the speaker. That's what we're called as human beings in Jewish thought and Jewish philosophy and Jewish law. We are called the Medaber, the one who speaks. And so speech is a very powerful tool, but it's also very dangerous. With great power comes great responsibility. Like a knife. It's very powerful. Be careful to put it away in the drawer, in the block when you're done. Don't just have it, you know, don't, don't just uh, wave it around erratically. That is not good. Speech should not be used erratically because that could hurt other people. If we're just on a free flow, like, oh, hey, you know, let's talk. Let's shoot the breeze. Here's what's going on in my life. What's going on with you? You heard what's going on with him? The more we talk, the more loquacious, I think that's the word we are, the more of a risk there is to err in our speech, to overstep the boundaries of healthy speech and tread into untoward spaces. And thus the Torah reminds us to keep it in check. It's a great gift, but let's keep it in check. I mentioned before we have two gates, the teeth and the lips. The tongue is shielded with two gates. Nothing else has two gates. The eyes have one gate, right? Everything has one gate. If it has a gate at all, it has one gate. One thing that closes or opens. The mouth, the tongue, has two gates in front of it. And yet we still can't hold ourselves back half the time. But the message for us is, positive message, let's be careful, let's only use our words for holiness, let's not let our ego get out of control to the point that we have to tear others down because they're infringing on our, on, on our self-worth. Self or we, I mean, why do we gossip? That gets to the psychology of gossip. Donna, what you mentioned before gets to the psychology. Why do we gossip? 
because we want to feel better about ourselves. It feels good to talk about someone else. Why? How does that make any sense? It feels good to, tra- God forbid, right? But to trash someone else, right? To like wipe the, f- because it makes us feel better. What's that about? Ego, arrogance. What about humility? What about respect? Yeah. We need to give people respect. And ultimately, that gives us respect. If we don't respect others, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I saw, so what's the point? Respect. Respect has to go both ways. You know, this week, on Sunday, there was a very big thing that happened that everyone was talking about at the Oscars. Yeah? What happens, we have a biblical example. What happens, remember when Moses struck the rock? It's not good to hit the rock. Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's not, it's, it, things can get a little bit, uh, and I get it. it. There's responsibility both ways. You got to use your language correctly. Then you have to make sure that your actions are correct. What we had, I'm, I'm not, I, I was just making a joke about Moses, the prince of God, and, uh, and the Belair as well, and hitting the rock. But the point is like this. The point is, you know, Moses got banned for 40 years for those actions. Uh, sorry, Moses got banned, not for 40 years. Moses got banned from entering the promised land because of those actions. And, you know, we, what we're, what we, I think what we're, it's, it's, not, it's not about individuals, but there's, there's a misappropriation of both speech, perhaps, and action. Talk about the garments, right, Mark? You said garments. That's, that's two out of three, right? Who, who knows what the thoughts are, right? The thoughts are probably also not necessarily where they need to be. Judaism, Chassidus, Chabad, Tanya, whatever, reminds us, not whatever, all of the above, encourages us to be mindful, to be aware, to be careful with our garments. We have thought, treat it well, keep it holy, keep it, keep it healthy. We have speech, keep it holy, keep it healthy. Action, keep it holy, keep it healthy. That's the message for today. And... Uh, if you see any discoloration on your clothing, just, just scrub it out. You're good. We don't get sur- we don't get surround on clothing nowadays. You're you're probably fine. All right. Uh, thank you for joining me today. We'll see you t- tomorrow for our Arab Shabbat um, DPP. We got a lot to cover. All right. Questions or comments to close it out, or we're good. We're good. All right. See you all soon. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Pleasure.